like us to turn in our Bibles to James chapter 1. Normally on Thursday nights we try to take time to go through the Bible verse by verse, phrase by phrase. We are currently work, working through uh, the, uh, the letter, the epistle general of John, uh, otherwise known as 1 John, five chapters. Uh, just a few pages in your Bible, but uh, we've been in that book all, all actually all of this year, two and a half months so far, and uh, actually started in uh, uh, the previous year, I believe. And, and we're taking time now. This morning, I want to do that, uh, do things a little different. I want us to actually cover a, a huge portion and in an overview fashion of the entire book of James. And uh, we're, we're not going to cover every verse. We're not going to be able to take time and, and uh, dig in and, 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 and really develop those things. But I want us to, to look at the uh, overall uh, truth that is being painted here. And if you uh, like titles for sermons, uh, what I want to preach about this morning is the limits of faith. Or when faith doesn't work, uh, you will find there are times... And by the way, don't misunderstand me. Uh, when faith doesn't work, there's a reason for it. It's because we're no longer under the auspices of obedience to the Word of God. That's, what, that's when faith stops working. And there's not a one of us in this room that hasn't found ourselves in one of those times in our life where seemingly faith does not have the answers. And the reason is because we're in the wrong place. Uh, we, we've got to change where we are, what we're doing. And, and uh, uh, so I want us to start here in the book of, of James. And James starts with that wonderful passage. He says that we're to count it all joy, verse 2, when we fall into diverse temptations. Uh, knowing that when we are being tested, when, when bad things are happening to us, we need to understand something. God is still good. This is what faith is. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, He that cometh to God, for without faith it is impossible to please God, for he that cometh to Him must believe that He is, and that He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. That God is. You know, God never has been anything but is. Uh, you were, you will be, and you won't be. And there was a time when you weren't. Uh, we have all kinds of adjectives that describe our lives. But when we talk about God, we can only use one verb tense. Is. Because God always is. He does not change. I get so upset sometimes when I hear people talking about prayer is the unseen hand, that, the unseen force that moves God's unseen hand. They got all kinds of nice little. God does not need your prayers to work. God, because He is God, already wants to do what's best. 
But he can't. Because he won't bless us in our disobedience to him. Prayer changes you so that God is free to do what he wanted to do in the first place. That puts it in a different perspective, doesn't it? But that's the truth that the Bible teaches. And there are times in our lives, and I could go out and I could give, get testimonies from people, and they would say, well, you know, I got into this circumstance and this circumstance, and it just seemed like I was praying and God didn't answer my prayers. And it just seemed like my faith wasn't working the way it was supposed to. Now, don't raise your hands. But how many say, yeah, I've been there. I've been places like that. And we've tried to deal with this. You know, one of the phrases the world uses says, oh, I just love my children too much to say no to them. Excuse me, that's a lie. That is a bold-faced lie. You mean you love your child so much you're going to let him play with the stove? Or a drawer full of sharp knives? Or a loaded gun? Of course not, preacher. What do you think I am? Well, then... Why are you going to let them watch stuff on television and go to websites and destroy their mind and their soul with their friends? Let me tell you something. The word love, true love, and the word no go together very well. Love without boundaries is slavery, my friend. And that's something none of us like. And you see, faith is a wonderful thing. And the answer is always faith. But you know, there's more than one kind of faith in this world. And what we want is biblical faith. You can never love too much. If what you call love hurts another human being, it's not love. Because God is love. And if you get in, you, you can't have too much God in your life. That's not possible. Can we say amen to that? You can't have too much faith in your life. How much faith do you need to move a mountain, did Jesus say? A grain of mustard seed. Uh, the next time you get a hot dog, squirt that yellow mustard out on there. Not, not the brown stuff. That's, that's real coarse. But the, the yellow stuff. That's ground up mustard seed. Try to pick a grain out. You see, that's how powerful faith is. Faith. It doesn't take much. But you can never have too much faith. And, and as we investigate this, this year we're going to be preaching. I don't, I can't, I'm not going to promise you I'm going to preach every Sunday on faith. But uh, it's been pretty close so far. 
And uh, we'll just see if we can't get 50 sermons on faith. Amen? Uh, I, I think there's enough in the Bible to keep us busy for a year. But as we look here, it, it tells us that when trouble comes, we're supposed to understand that God is using this trouble to help us and to change us. Uh, how many of you in this room could think of times where God brought great trouble in your life and it forced you to make a biblical decision that changed your life for the better? So who would lift up their hand with me and give testimony to that? You see, when trouble comes to our lives and we don't understand that, we lack wisdom. I mean, say, amen. Because if we don't get this, we can't go on. You see, when we don't understand that God is, God is always good. That's faith. It doesn't always feel that way. I mean, I know my father loved me. And my mother loved me. That's a wonderful thing to know your parents love you. But it didn't always feel that way when I had done something worthy of just punishment. They loved me enough to give it to me. Good. Thorough. And I'm sitting here going, why is this happening to me? Well, it's because you did something wrong. That's why. And we want you to learn not to do it again. That's why. When you get to be an adult, you understand that a little more, don't you? And it's a wonderful thing. And God says, listen, if you don't understand that I am doing good in your life, you lack wisdom. And then we get to the first mention of faith in the book of James. And let's look here. Uh, verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that waver, wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The reason I read verse 8 is that's the key to understanding what this thing of wavering is. If you turn on uh, Trinity Broadcasting or some Christian network, it said, Listen, you ask God in faith, doubting nothing, and He'll give you that brand new car that you want. And if He doesn't, it's because you doubted. Is that what this verse is talking about? Absolutely not. How do I ask God for wisdom in faith? Well, let's define wisdom. Where, where does all wisdom have its source? How many would say, in the person of God? Would you agree with me on that? Amen? And so, if I ask God for wisdom... In faith, how does faith come? By hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. 
If wisdom comes from God, has its source in God, and I ask for God for wisdom by faith, what I'm asking Him for is the ability to obey His Word. How many of you have ever prayed, asking God to give you wisdom to counter the threats of another human being? Now, don't raise your hand. But most of us have at one time or another. Could I challenge you? God never designed you to play chess with the devil. Or with any other human being. You will lose every time. God is not interested near as much in what people are trying to do to you as he is in what you are doing to be obedient to him. Every so often I'll get a phone call and somebody says, does, you, does your church, uh, um, um, I don't quite know how to ask this preacher, but does, you, does your church uh, deal with curses? I said, is, uh, uh, you feel that someone's put you under a curse? Oh, yes, you understand. And they begin to go on and I say, excuse me, just a minute. If you want protection from that kind of stuff, let me explain to you what has to happen. I said, number one, you have to stop worrying about the curse. But, but, but there, it's real. Things are happening. I said, no, wait a minute. Curses are real. Yes, they are. They come from the devil. That's not to be played with, trifled with. But how powerful is a curse going to be if you're holding Jesus' hand? Hello? How much power does the devil have if you're being fully obedient to Jesus Christ? Let me tell you something. Absolutely zero. If you want to please the devil, pay attention to him. If you want to make them mad, pay attention to Jesus. By the way, that's what worship is. You see, when I ask God for wisdom, I am not asking God so I can understand why these things are happening to me. I am not asking God to explain Himself. God is not under an obligation to explain himself to anyone. But he's given you about 1,500 pages of it right here if you open up and read it. You know what wisdom does? It gets my attention off of the diverse temptations and puts them back on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's faith. How many of you have ever seen a scene of the movie where the hero is hanging off the cliff by the little branch that's pulling out of the side of the rocks? I mean, how many of you have ever been there? And they throw the rope and he just reaches over and grabs it with one hand. 
Only in the movies. Only in the movies. No human being who was actually hanging for their dear life would ever let go of what would cause their death to grab a hold of what could give them life. Your mind won't let you do it. You see, you have to get wisdom that comes from God. How many of you have ever prayed for something God gave you an answer you didn't like? Ooh. You see, that's why that verse is in there. The double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. When you ask for God to give you wisdom and He gives it to you and you don't like it, you're in trouble. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of God. You can't compartmentalize your Christianity. It's not something that you put on Sunday morning. It's something that ought to be the essence of your soul and your being. If people can't see Jesus in your life on Monday at the break room, you you better check what kind of Jesus you have on Sunday or think you had. You see, what we're talking about is the limits of faith. God is never going to ask you to do anything that's not written down in this book. Because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You see, sometimes people said, Baptist, what, what kind of cult is that? And uh, say, oh, no, 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 no. You don't understand anything. Baptist, we're, we're not a cult. If you want to know the history of the Baptist people, it's simply this. They are the only church historically that have been the Bible alone. That's what makes us different. You see, before there was anything such as a Protestant... There was the Catholics, the Orthodox, and the Anabaptist. Now, not all Anabaptists were Bible believers. Some of them were just total nuts. But all the believers were put into that Anabaptist category because they refused to accept the efficacy or, or the grace-giving properties of infant baptism. They believed that you needed to be saved. Before you get baptized. That's the Bible way. But if we'll go back a thousand years before the Reformation. Guess what? There wasn't a Roman Catholic and an Orthodox church. There was only one church. They hadn't split yet. But guess who was still there? The heretics. That believed... The authority was in this book, not in Caesar. The authority was in this book, not in a group of preachers coming together and holding a council. God's church has never held a council to try to figure out what to do. They don't need to because it's all written down in the Bible. Amen? And that's why we identify as a Baptist church today.
And we look here and, and, and in the book of James, and it, it tells us that if we ask not in faith, God is not going to give us wisdom. That faith has to be included here. Faith has to be grounded in the Word of God. In Hebrews chapter 4, it's talking about the rest for the people of God. And it says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. You see, they heard the same message. This is what we were talking about in the book of Acts. Peter preached that message of belief in Jesus Christ, whom ye crucified, whom God rose again, raised up again from the dead. And some people believed, and some people didn't. Why didn't those, those people that didn't believe in God's Word, why didn't they believe it? Because they didn't have faith to mix with the Word. You see... Faith demands a surrender to the Word of God. That's James chapter 1. Rejoice when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have a perfect work. And, and, and it goes on. And it says, if you don't understand that, you lack wisdom. You need to ask it of God, but you need to ask in faith. And what God is going to do is He will give you the ability... To simply trust His Word. How many of you remember how difficult it was for you to become a member of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church? Had to fight with that a little bit. That, that was a struggle for some people. So what's so important about church? We're not Catholics. We don't believe that your salvation is in the church. No, absolutely not. Everything else is, though. In fact, you can't, you can't join a church. You can't join this church until you get salvation settled first. Because how can you be part of the body of Christ if you don't have Christ living in you? That's salvation. But I want to challenge you. You cannot live a biblical faith without being part of and serving in And can I add this? Under the direction of a local church. You see, there's there's some things about church that people don't like because it requires responsibility. Uh, It requires accountability. I've had some people say, Pastor, I, I don't understand it. Everybody's greeting me like they haven't seen me in six months. Well... It's been at least four and a half. Uh, Not trying to be mean here. But see, there's accountability in a church. People ought to recognize you and know your name. You ought to know other people's names. Amen? But you don't need to know what they ate for breakfast. Unless it's a garlic bagel and then you don't have to ask, right? Are we allowed to enjoy a little bit? Amen. Just a little bit of humor won't hurt us, will it? 
You see, when we ask wisdom from God, he reveals that we need to be obedient to his word. And that means we have to surrender ourselves. Sometimes to suffering. Do you know that you have to surrender yourself to God if you want victory over temptation in your life? That's the reason we don't get victory sometimes. Because we're trying too hard. Victory does not come from you. Mercy comes from God. And mercy can only be given to the defeated by the victor. And so if you, need, if you want mercy to solve your problems, read Hebrews chapter 4. You need to admit your defeat to the only true victor, which is Jesus. And you'll find there's mercy. And we end chapter 1 with this challenge to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And we get to chapter 2. And it says, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. You see... Faith has to be grounded in the Word of God. Faith is obedience to the Word of God. Faith is surrender to what the Bible says instead of what we think and what we want to do. There is not a one of us that wants to do the right thing. I know you think you do. But don't you understand? I've always loved the Lord. Wrong. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. I need faith to put my heart in a harness. If you like the idea of a horse, put the bit in the mouth and the harness on so that you can control the direction of the horse. My, my heart needs to be harnessed by faith. So that its inclinations will not make itself manifest, but I will surrender those inclinations and make my heart manifest to the Word of God and surrender to His Word. But do you know what the next temptation, the next problem with faith is going to come in? Is people get in the way. That's why this verse is in here. You can't, if you get this idea and you surrender to the Word of God and you ask to be obedient to God, and you have a faith that is making you do the things that are in the Word of God, (coughs) excuse me, you're going to have problems with people. Have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with the respect of persons. You know where faith ends? Faith stops working. When I take my eyes off Jesus and put it on another person. And there are many different reasons that people do this. How many of you are aware of the fact that there are people out there smarter than you are? Would you just raise your hand? If, if you don't know anyone smarter than you are, please meet me after church because I could use some advice, all right? No. 
please meet me after church because you're in desperate need of some counsel. Amen? Do you know that other people can help make decisions in your life better than you can? It's true. But is that how I'm supposed to live life? I knew of a church where the pastor got up in the pulpit and he said, you shouldn't even buy a major appliance without calling me first. And I'm sitting there going, good night, that guy's got 500 people in his church. I don't have time to help you pick out a dishwasher. I'm sorry. That's nuts. But you know what that is? That's having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ with respect to persons. Isn't it? There's, I I call them Baptist popes. Because they believe the Bible, they believe in Jesus, they teach right about salvation. But they want you to do everything according to them. Now, one of the things that I have done as your pastor of this church is I have purposefully steered us away from individuals and personalities. If I mention a personality from this pulpit, it's usually in a very negative fashion. Because I I don't want you calling the 700 Club with your prayer requests. You ought to come here and pray about them on Sunday night with the rest of us. That's the Bible way of dealing with things. Listen, there are people out there who are looking, who, who live by controlling other people's lives. I know a few things more evil than that. It's parasitic. It's everything the Bible teaches against called faith. You cannot have Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And be calling Bill Gothard Center for advice every time you turn around. Or by going on the internet and saying, I wonder what preacher so-and-so says. We, we got talking around the table about there's, there's a whole group of churches that literally worship the personality of a man. And, and they're Baptist churches. And and I shall not mention the man's name because most of you don't even know it here. He he thinks he's really important, or at least he did when he was alive. But I'll tell you, if you let another person in between your faith relationship with you and God, your faith stops working. God intends you to have enough 
faith to know how to live for Him. We just came back from the men's meeting. One of the young men said, how do I learn to become a man like that? Well, stick around the church. Be around other men. You'll learn. But it takes time. Because we're not going to have a class. We're not going to sit there, okay, you imitate me. Because that's the worst thing you could do. What we need to do is get close enough to this book called the Bible that we are understanding what the Bible teaches. You see, I would hope and pray that the members that are here today, that are here not because, oh, Pastor Montour is such a wonderful Bible preacher. I just love to hear him. He tells me everything to do. If that's the way it is, we've missed it. We're not connecting properly at all. My job as the pastor is to point in the right direction and to give you a toolbox so that you can get into the Word of God and make biblical decisions. By the way, if you're making a decision based upon this book and I am making a decision based upon this book, should there not be some congruity in the decisions? Hello? Amen? You see, unity in the true church of Jesus Christ is not based upon personality. It's not based upon the teachings of a man. It's based upon the teachings of this book called the Bible. And that's why I can go into almost any independent fundamental Baptist church in this country and find out that we have an awful lot to agree about. In fact, we have more to agree about than we have to disagree about. And you know what? Every every once in a while I'll meet someone or have a missionary call me and he'll say, well, I went to such and such a school. And I say, well, I never heard of it. He said, my pastor is Pastor so-and-so. Never heard of him. Um... Uh, uh, I know so-and-so. I said, I don't know him. I said, you know, we, we, we don't have any connection at all. Let me just ask you a couple questions. What do you believe about the Bible? And so well, I believe the King James Bible is the Word of God for English-speaking people. I said, do you use any other Bibles? And he said, no. I said, okay. Now, let's talk about music. I said, do you, do you uh, believe that you ought to reach the world by using the world's music to reach them? Absolutely not. The music is part of our worship toward God and it ought to be sacred and separated toward God. I said, okay, point two. I said, uh, uh, okay, let me ask you the big question. Have you ever heard of the term alien immersion? Usually gets quiet. Because people don't preach on that anymore. I said, I'll give you a clue. You don't need to get off a spaceship first, all right? We're not talking about aliens from outer space. What we're talking about is if someone comes to you from a church that doesn't preach the Bible, doesn't teach the Bible, do you accept baptism from that church? Oh, you rebaptize people. No, no, we don't. If you're baptized, you don't need to be baptized again. Just like if you're saved, you don't need to be saved again. But you see, in order to have biblical baptism, 
You have to have a biblical candidate. That means someone who's saved. And you have to have a biblical authority. This is what separates baptism from the Jewish washing rituals and everything in the Old Testament. Baptism is completely separate. Jesus walked 60 miles to go to John because God sent John to baptize. And Jesus commissioned the Bible-believing church to baptize in his name. And so if you're going to have Bible baptism, you have to have a proper candidate. You've got to be saved. And you have to have a Bible-preaching church to do the baptizing. Because baptism is your public testimony of your faith in Jesus Christ. It's just that simple. I couldn't tell you how many people said, well, preacher, if that's what you believe, I don't want to be a member of this church. And there's part of me who wants to go, if that's your attitude, we don't want you either. No. No. My, my attitude has always been, why, why can't you conform to the Word of God? See, if you ask wisdom, God will give it to you. And we're not wrapped up in people. You cannot have the faith of God and have some person other than you running your life. There ought to be people to help you. Read, read Galatians chapter 6. It says every man has to bear his own burden. Every person has to stand individually before Christ. By the way, this is one of the cardinal doctrines of the Baptist church that differentiates us between us and every other group is we believe in the priesthood of the believer. We believe that every believer has a direct relationship and a direct responsibility to God. You can't find that anywhere but in a Baptist church. Now we go down in James chapter 2. And we've got to hurry. But let's just skip down to verse 18. It says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Let me tell you something. If your faith isn't producing something, maybe it's broke. Maybe it's not the right kind of faith. Faith is supposed to work. There's a limit on faith. You see, faith must be grounded in the Word of God. It must be focused on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ alone and nothing else. And that kind of faith is going to do something. I tell people that come and they say, Pastor, I'm just not sure about my salvation, but, I, but I'm, I'm not ready yet. And I'll say, listen, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. You, you need to be here. You need to put yourself under the preaching. I'm not the greatest preacher in the world. Don't claim to be. But I do preach the greatest book and the only hope of salvation. And so you need to come and you need to listen. Because... You will be forced to make a decision. 
I've had people over here, Pastor, why do you have to get in everybody's face like that? Well, it's because the Bible demands action. And if you can sit and listen to preaching and not do a thing about it, there's something wrong with the preacher and there's something wrong with the hearer. There's just something wrong all the way around. But if you have to have somebody else motivate you to do something for Christ, be careful. You don't need a vicarious faith. That's the big word. Uh, you, You don't need a faith that belongs to somebody else. You need a faith that belongs to you. It's got to be personal. Because I'll tell you something, there'll come a day when it's dark. There'll come a time when you're all alone. And there's not going to be anybody to reach out to. If you don't have a real faith, you're going to fail. But if you do, it will take you through. Because real faith works. It produces works. It makes you do things. How many of you remember that process, that struggle that finally resulted in when you called upon the name of the Lord and asked him to save you? How many say, amen, I remember that preacher. Amen? See, faith works. And I hope you never get tired of hearing me say this, but what you did to get saved is how you live for God each and every day. You see, it's that surrender to his word that made you call upon the name of the Lord and stop trusting in your church and your baptism and your good works and your grandmother and all these other things that you trust in and you finally just believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Guess what? If you want to, you can go through that same struggle for everything. Or you can learn that I need to stop struggling and just surrender to the Word of God. We were traveling yesterday. Couldn't be here Saturday morning for our regular visitation, but I heard we had several new people and a good group out here passing out tracks. And praise the Lord for that. You know what? Somebody got some wisdom. I hope you didn't come because I said so. I hope you came because... This book said so. Amen? And you know, it's a terrifying thing to try to witness to another human being. But if it's not you making your faith work and actually your faith working, it will happen. Did you get that? How many of you got that? Say amen. You see, you can make your faith work. You can make it appear to be working. I can get in a car that doesn't have an engine in it. And I can put one foot outside and I can push that car. It's easier because the engine isn't there. It weighs less. And it looks like the car is moving. And it is. But that's not the way the car is supposed to work. It needs a little bit more than one mule power. It's supposed to have... Hundreds of horsepower under the hood. Amen? Uh, Produced by an internal combustion engine. 
Faith is the most powerful thing in the universe. But it won't work. If it's not based in the Word of God, if it's not free of the respective people, and if you're in the way, keeping it from working. Now, we've got two more chapters, I mean three more chapters, three, four, and five actually to cover. And instead of covering them as we have the last one, I want us to turn to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And again, I want to just try to do several things at the same time here, but I want to illustrate how the Bible is a commentary on itself, how the Bible thoroughly explains itself in every detail if you'll, if you'll just learn to look at the passages of the Bible that you need to look at. See, we're talking about faith here. We're talking about how when faith gets short-circuited, when it stops working, when it's not right, and, and certain things will, will make faith sh- uh, stop working and, and not fulfill the things that it is capable of doing. And verse 2 of chapter 13 of the book of 1 Corinthians says, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity. Read those last three words with me nice and loud. I am nothing. You know, some people can produce some incredible results and call it faith. But if it's not grounded in love, it's worth less than nothing. Because it's harmful. It's perverse. It's a terrible thing. You see, how do I get a faith that's grounded in charity? And I believe that word ought to be in there. You look it up in the Oxford English Dictionary and it says, the love of God for his people and the love that people have according to the Bible for other Christians. Now, if the Oxford English Dictionary can find that out, why can't Christian commentaries uh, stop replacing the word charity with love? You see, the simplest working definition of the word charity is love in action. It's love that does something. It's just like, uh, uh, how many of you remember getting the notes? I like you. Do you like me? Circle one. Yes, no, maybe. And it's unsigned. You don't know if it's the... Ugliest guy in the class that wrote that thing to you? Or the, uh, the, the one that everybody wants to be the boyfriend of? You have no idea. I'm not signing that thing. How about you? Listen. We do all kinds of crazy things. Silly things. And, and we're running very much toward the end of the time that we try to end our service. But I want to challenge you. Go through 
James chapter 3, what's it talk about? It talks about the tongue. It says you can't control it, only God can control it. Is that love? Is that charity? Oh, it just might be. You go through James chapter 4 and it talks about praying selfishly and how God's not going to answer those prayers. And when we pray biblically in the right way that God wants to answer those prayers, uh, do you think that might be talking about love? Charity? I think it is. I think James chapter 3 and 4 and 5 discuss how that our faith can be founded in and built in this thing called charity or God's love in us, showing toward others. And it ends with that incredible passage where we ought to pray one for another and God will heal the sick and He will cleanse the hearts of the sinful and God will answer prayers in a miraculous way. Does that sound like faith and charity together working the same way? I believe it is. You see, faith is something that we got to have. It's the only way that you can pray and get God's wisdom. He's not going to give it to you if you don't pray in faith. That's what we read, isn't it? You know what God's wisdom is? It's His answer for the fake wisdom that is found in this world and in our own minds and our own hearts. Then, guess what? We've got to get people out of our sights. We've got to stop being gods to each other or letting others be gods, little g, little o, little d, to ourselves. You are a priest if you're saved with a direct connection to God Himself. Don't let anybody in there. But I'll tell you what. If you find yourself being in agreement with this book, you're going to find yourself being in agreement with this church and the people that are in it because we use the same book. You see, that's the unity of the true church of Jesus Christ. It's not just a cease and desist order that I'm not going to oppose what's going on. It's a willful, knowledgeable agreement based upon the Word of God and a surrender of my thoughts and my hearts to the Word of God so that together we can serve the Lord Jesus Christ as His body in Astoria. Can God's people say amen to that? That's something we need. It's something we don't have right now to a great degree. But we can have it if we'll get people out of the way and let Jesus be the only focus of our faith. You see, don't make your faith work. Let your faith work. But it's got to be grounded in charity. And that's going to clip your tongue. I just feel like I ought to say it. Don't. Just don't. Let the Holy Spirit of God restrain you. 
I want you to pray intelligently. Lie. I want to spread gossip. That's the truth. You see, God can take care of what we don't know. A whole lot better than we can if we know it. Could we say amen to that? You see, that's getting people out of the way. That's letting faith work. That's being grounded in charity. Because without charity, faith is worthless. Because God is love. And if we don't have the presence of God working in our life and propelling us to a surrender to His Word, we're just playing church. And I don't know about you, but I don't like playing church. I kind of enjoy listening to my kids play church once in a while. It's absolutely hilarious, some of the things that come out of there. Trying to repeat Daddy, they say some things Daddy never would ever say. But it is funny. But it's not funny when it's here. Because we're here to worship God. We can only do that through faith. Grounded in His Word. Separated from the influence of human beings. Working on its own. I'm not pushing it. I had an old car that you had to push. Jump in and pop the clutch and it would start. That's not the way it's supposed to work. Don't have a faith like that. Have a faith that produces its own works. And then get into charity. One of the sermons that was preached, and I I hope to re-preach it here, guys, and I hope you don't mind hearing it again, but that one on, there's an awful lot more of Christ that we need to get in our lives. See, that's, that's charity. That's what makes our faith touch the lives of others. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. Lord, I pray. That you would help us. To understand. I pray that I would have been able to present this message simple enough and clear enough that we could see what is happening. Without having to call names. Without having to embarrass people. But Lord, we'd be able to see ourselves, that we'd be willing to pray for that wisdom even though it hurts us, even though it's going to change everything about us, even though it condemns us as being wrong, that we would accept that wisdom from God without wavering and let you change us. We get people out of the way, Lord, that our faith would really work. And that the power of that faith would be the presence 
the love of the Lord Jesus Christ working through us to touch others. Lord, we need that. We, we so desperately need that if we're going to be your church. Lord, we know that you've called us to do that very thing and so we have every confidence that you want to change us so that you can use us. That you want our faith not to be limited, not to break down under pressure, but to produce those things which only you can get glory for. We ask you, Lord, in the name of your Son, Amen. Let's stand together and sing the hymn of invitation.